All right, why don't we go ahead and uh, get going here, finish up your stories. Or if you want another 15 minutes, go ahead, go ahead. All right, good morning, good morning. It's good to be back. Uh, my name's Daryl. I'm one of the co-pastors here. I actually commute from Columbus, so you probably don't see me a whole lot. And, uh, and I'm also one of the pastors at Wright State University also. And, uh, but it's good to be here with you this morning um, towards the end of Acts, right? If you've been coming, we've been going through the book of Acts. We're getting towards the end of it here as we're getting near the end of school also. When does school officially get out for OU? April 30th. Wow. So four weeks. Getting close. Getting close. I am looking forward to the summer. I don't know about you. Just warm weather. I want heat and humidity. I don't know about you guys. I know. That's not good either, but I've just been shivering for too long. All right. Book of Acts. Yes, we're going to uh, be in, in chapter 23 today. We're not really... We're going to look at one verse in Acts 23 today and uh, um, as we're getting near the end of it. And uh, so we're going to jump right into it here. Um, one thing I would like to say about the book of Acts is it's ongoing, isn't it? When you think of this is, this is the acts of the earliest Christians, right? The ones that after Jesus rose again from the dead, what they did and how they spread the truth about Jesus um, throughout Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and, and, and further out into Asia. And, uh, but it's still being written today, isn't it? Like we are... Uh, uh, in that next chapter or chapters of it. I love the name of an association of churches called Acts 29, if you've ever heard of them. And I just love that because it's, it's, yes, we are still writing chapters of what is happening as Christ followers, how we are spreading the love of Christ um, to other people in this world. So we're going to pick up in Acts 23. Let's go ahead and, and pray, though. Lord, we uh, just look to you this morning to speak to us. Lord, would you, uh, as we look in your word, just uh, speak your truth into our hearts, encourage us this morning. It's encouraging to see how you intervened and have intervened in this book, Lord, how you helped, how you strengthened, you empowered, you guided, you led, you were building your church as you are still today building your church. Thank you the things that, that we have learned as we're going through this book, and I just pray today, Lord, that that we might learn from you. And even more importantly, that we might be inspired by your word, God. You would strengthen our faith through it, and it would inspire us, Lord, to continue to follow and walk hard after you, even as, as Ethan was talking about in his testimony. So we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Well, Acts 23.11, don't necessarily put the verse up yet, but I want to put it in a little bit of context. Here In Acts 21, and if you were here when we talked over Acts 21, Paul is returning to Jerusalem from his third missionary journey and his last. This will be the last time that he will be coming back to Jerusalem. And so he goes to Jerusalem and he's in the temple and some Asian Jews, and that's where he did a lot of his missionary work was in Asia, and there were some Asian Jews there that recognized him, like, you're the guy that's speaking against our people. You're the one that's speaking against the law of Moses. And they stir up the crowd. 
They seize him in the temple and they drag him out and they begin beating him. And they probably would have killed him, except the Roman soldiers, you know, got wind of it and they rushed in and grabbed him away from them. Otherwise, he probably would have died. It was a very chaotic scene. And then even as the soldiers are leading him away, you know, they're yelling that this man does not deserve to live, you know, and they're just yelling and screaming this. And uh, so they take him away and protect him. And, uh, and so then the next day, I believe it was the next day or so, he's brought in before the Jewish priests and, uh, and the whole council of Jews. And, uh, and this is where Acts 23 begins. And so he's standing before the chief priests and the whole council to give a defense of himself. And, uh, and things aren't going too well right from the get-go. You can read it, self-explanatory, so I'm not going to explain everything. And, uh, but then at one point he noticed things aren't going too well, but there's two different camps there, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. One believed in the resurrection of the dead, the other one didn't. Paul pits them against each other, and so now they're kind of going at it, and you kind of wonder if Paul did that just to get the attention off of himself just for like one moment, you know? So, so they're fighting uh, um, against each other now, uh, arguing and yelling and that kind of stuff, but Paul's in the middle of it, and Scripture tells us that the soldiers again had to come in and grab him away lest they tear him to pieces, and you get this picture of Paul causing this, but they're like grabbing hold of him, you know, like one saying he needs to die, and they're saying, no, wait a minute, now we kind of agree with him or whatever, but they had to rescue him again. The point is that his life is in danger. I mean, his his... He is at the point of almost, at any point, he could, be, he could be killed. So then that brings us to Acts 23, verse 11. It says, But on the following night, the Lord stood near him and said, Be courageous, for as you have testified to the truth about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify in Rome also. Short little verse but a powerful little verse. And, the, and when it starts out and it says, and the Lord stood near him, that doesn't quite do justice, probably what went on right there. there the word, there's different uh, Greek words that, are, um, that are, show up as stood in the New Testament that are translated as stood. It's like there's over 55 times stood is in uh, the New Testament in different books. And, uh, but only three times is this particular word used in, in Acts 23.11 and then two other places. Uh, there's a Greek word that's only used in those three. And so the other two is when the angel stood before the shepherds at the birth of Jesus to pronounce that. And what also went on there was what? The, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified at just the display of the power and the, and the glory of, of God. And then the other time, the third time, is the two men or angels that appeared to the women in the tomb when after Jesus had risen from the dead and they went and the stone is rolled away and it's empty. And then suddenly two men stood before them and it says in dazzling you know, brightness. And they also were frightened at just this sudden appearance of this, this glory of God all around them. And so Luke doesn't really go into that much detail in this one, but that's probably what happened here too. Because he's fearing for his life, but all of a sudden, maybe he's just in, a, in kind of a dark, dank place, you know, wondering, man, am I going to live through this or not? And God shows up in his glory and splendor and strengthens him 
and shows him that, look, don't fear them. Look at my splendor, my power, my greatness. I am here with you. So two things stand out to me in this verse. God has a mission for Paul, and in order to complete it, he's going to need courage. God has a mission for him. In order to complete it, he's going to need courage. And that's true for us today, right? As we talked about before, Acts is still ongoing. And we need courage in order to walk out God's plan for us and what he has for us in life. Because we're Acts 29. Or we're actually Acts, you know, 2029, right? Many chapters since this time. So we're going to need courage, but our tendency is to take take this expansive story of God and all that he has done for us and our part in it, and we reduce it to a manageable size, don't we? We make it so it's comfortable for us. We avoid situations that are too difficult, and we avoid risks, and we allow our our fears to dictate what we do or don't do in our service to God. And God knows that following him will bring us face to face with our present fears and future fears. But how tragic if those fears keep us from doing what we know God wants us to do, right? As a result, we'll miss out on experiencing his greatness, his power, right? His protection, his blessing in our lives. And I don't know about you, but knowing that God wants me to face my fears really motivates me to... uh, to face them and to walk through them, knowing that he wants to exhibit his power and glory through what? Through weakness. And that's something we don't always, you know, we we read about that. You can read about that in 2 Corinthians 12, that his power is perfected in weakness, but we tend to avoid that. We tend to avoid our weaknesses, and as a result, we miss out on God really being glorified through our lives and doing things in and through us that are supernatural that are exciting and fun, as as Ethan was alluding to, that the Christian life is really about experiencing God and His power and His ability to carry us through whatever fear it is, whatever is keeping us from really following God. So that motivates me to face, and has motivated me to face my fears head on. The most repeated command and exhortation in the Bible is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Take courage. And God isn't saying this because there's nothing to fear, right? Or that, or that, uh, that if we want to serve Him, we can't have fear, that we must be fearless. He says it because He knows that to be human means to fear. Human beings, we fear. We fear all kinds of things. But He says that because He doesn't want our fear to get in the way of our following Him. And do you know the promise that usually follows This exhortation of do not fear, in nearly every single case, it says, do not fear, for I am with you. I am greater than your fears. Do you believe that? Do you believe that I can help you overcome your fears? Do you believe that I can deliver you from your fears? And this is repeated over and over and over in Scripture. Almost to every person in Scripture, you think of all the great leaders in the Bible I'm trying to think of one right now that he did not say that to. Nearly every single one, at one point or another, God would say, do not fear, for I am with you. And that's what he's saying to each one of us as we read that. 
He's saying, do not fear. I am with you. Will you take a step of faith? Will you walk through that threshold of fear that's holding you back and you know it's holding you back? Will you walk through that and trust me? Test me on this and see if I won't come through and help you overcome that or remove you from that. Look at Isaiah 41, verse 10. It says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Man, what an amazing promise, right? An affirmation that, look, you have what it takes because I'm with you, and I will make this happen. Now, we may not be facing physical violence or near death like Paul and others we read about, but Christians throughout the world are and have. Mostly our fears stem from fear of, what, rejection, right? Being embarrassed, uh, being um, ridiculed, scorned, maybe even hated. But it doesn't mean that those fears are any less controlling on us, right? It keeps us oftentimes from maybe doing what God wants us to do, and we know God wants us to do. You know, I think back in... Uh, when I was in seventh grade, um, we had to do some, uh, some speeches, and we had to, like, convince the audience of something, you know, whatever it was. So I decided I'm going to do a speech on uh, re- reintroducing the wolves, in, in, uh, especially out, out west, and I was so passionate about it. I believed in it, you know, and, and I just couldn't wait to give this speech. And uh, I got up and I, with conviction, and, and uh, you know, I can't even remember one nervous bone in my body. But I just, I just wanted to convince everyone that we need to do this. We can't allow them to become extinct. Fast forward my freshman year of college. I'm sitting in um, an English class, and the teacher called on me. And as soon as she did, my face grew like just just I know it was just beat red it was hot it felt like it was on fire and my throat closed up and and I could just barely croak out an answer and uh and then when I finally did that satisfied the teacher I could feel the eyes of my classmates just boring into me and particularly this one girl that sat just right across from me I could see she was just looking at me the whole time I could see you know the corner of my eye and then when I was finally done croaking out this pathetic response, um, I could just see her. She turned and she just shook her head like that, like, what a loser. And I thought to myself, yes, you are right. I am a loser. I mean, I couldn't even speak up in a classroom. And I understand, you know, now where I stand, what took me from that seventh grade, I can't wait to deliver the speech. I couldn't even, when called upon you know, without getting extremely insecure and embarrassed, really kind of having a panic attack. I understand that now, but then, you know, it was just, it was like, what is wrong with me? And there was a guy in the back, and I'm sure there was probably another guy or two in the course, in this class, but I think it was pretty much just, pretty much all girls, and then me and, me and him, maybe another guy or two, and uh, he had a lot of fun in this class. And he would just raise his hand and say things just to provoke stuff. And I can remember in particular one day he raised his hand. He said, you know what's wrong with this country and, uh, and what's happening in our society? 
And then he went on to say, it's women leaving the home and going into the workplace. Not that I agree with this. And, you know, so no one's there to raise the kids. And they're stealing jobs from, from the men, you know. And that's really a lot of the problems we're seeing in our country today. And then all the girls were like, just, you know, they're raising their hands, like, call on me so I can attack this guy. And then when he was done, he just folded his arms and just kind of like stretched back and smiled, you know. And, and I just thought, ah. Oh. It's genius. Why can't I be like that guy? You know, why can't I be that guy? So I did the only reasonable thing. I quit college. Got away from that, quit college. And that's when I found Christ. And uh, a guy came to work there, and, and uh, that's when I uh, said, yes, Lord Jesus, I need you. I, I, he just showed that to me, that I needed him in order to be forgiven of my sins and uh, to have this relationship with God starting, you know, in this life and then continuing on when I'm no longer on this earth. And man, my life really changed. I know my, my confidence in a lot of things really grew. But a year later, it, probably as a result of coming to Christ, like, no, I should go back to college. So I went down to Ohio State and started college there, got involved in a church, a college church much like this. After the first year, they said, Daryl, what would you think about leading a small group, a little Bible study? And my first thought was, no. <laughs> you know, most people I know, when you finally ask them that, or, you know, they say, hey, can I lead one? Or if you ask, well, yes, I'll do it. And I was dreading this thing. The first one I led, I had a panic attack. It was much like the class, only worse. It was so embarrassing. And I can just remember thinking, I, I will never do that again. I was thinking of going to the leader and saying, you know what? This, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And uh, um, they said, well, just... You know, and, and I did talk to one guy. I said, just pray about it. So I went and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I said, God, help me, help me, strengthen me, help me to do this. Can I even do this, like lead this little with seven or eight or nine people, you know, a little Bible study? And so I prayed for hours. And then the next week, it went great. Like, I could just tell God was with me and he enabled me to lead it without having a panic attack. So then I thought, I got this. Great, good, I can do this now. Didn't pray much the next week. So what happened the third week? Panic attack. And I just couldn't do it. So then I prayed, and then it went well. And it's, if you've read the book of Judges, you know, where there's this cycle of, of sin and judgment and humility and repentance, God blesses them, and then, you know, they get proud, and then da da That was me. I mean, this went on for way too long. I want to say a year and a half, two years. Like, okay, because all that insecurity, I needed to say, no, I got this, and I can kind of do it without you, God. And that was a continual cycle for me. But over and over, I experienced that as I sought God, like, I am with you, and I will help, and I will strengthen you. And then I decided to take a speech class, because I figured, you know, after probably a couple years into it, I knew I wanted to be a pastor, so I thought, man, that might mean i got to get up and probably do this. And so I'll take a speech class. I can remember going to that first speech that I was going to do in this class. And it happened to be in University Hall there at OSU in the basement. And I can remember walking down the steps. I was, I was so nervous. I felt like I was descending into hell. My legs weighed like a 1,000 pounds each. I could barely walk. But you know, God got me through it. I can remember being jittery. I can remember that. But I can remember sitting back down and a guy going, man, you did great. And I'm like, Really? He goes, yeah, I didn't even look nervous. And I'm like, whoa, because that wasn't what was going on inside of me. 
And then I started speaking on Sunday mornings, and that was like the Bible study all over again. Like, okay, I got this because God would strengthen and empower me, and then I'd, I'd try to do it in my own strength, and then this, you know, that cycle. But in some ways, I look back now, and what a blessing because my, my pride, whatever, my ego, helped me experience Isaiah 41.10 over and over and over again. But I did resent at times having to spend so much time with God. I mean, just to be able to do like this or to be able to sit down and have a discussion in a, in a kind of a Bible study setting. But things were happening. As I look back now, God was using that to, to press me into himself. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. Right? John chapter 15. And God was helping me and, and really forcing me into himself so that I would bear much fruit. And that's exactly what was happening. A lot of things, a lot, a lot of lives were changing all around me. And as a result, I developed a deep, intimate relationship with God because I had to spend hours and hours with him just to do some of this stuff. And I remember I, I talked to others that were leading life groups. I mean, like, hey, how's that going and everything? I think like, oh, yeah, it's awesome. I love it. I just said, you know, we do this, we do that. And I'd be like, ah, oh, God, why? I, I know if I'm not with you, for, you know, three, four hours leading into this time, I'm just going to fall apart. Why, God? Because my power is perfected in weakness. I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of lives over the last 40 years of college ministry, and I've seen many go on to do awesome things for the Lord. And I will say this, is, is if you're in a position where you feel super confident, ask for God's mercy. If you're in a place where you feel insecure, you, feel, you doubt yourself, you uh, have these fears, you're in a good place. I just tell you right now, you're in a good place. I know it's not an easy, you know, you'd rather be in a different place. I know. You'd rather be the confident guy in the back of the room, right? We all would. But you're in a good place when it comes to God. Because in your weakness, His power will be perfected. So three years after uh, the English class, I'm a senior down at OSU, and uh, I... I've started speaking up in my, in my uh, classes and stuff, and I decided to take philosophy class. And uh, so first day I go in, I sit on one side of the class, and I just start getting to know everyone. And then a month or so into the class, my side of the room, we're all talking and laughing, and the other side is just like quiet, you know? No one's getting to know each other. And then I thought, after a month or so, I thought, you know, I should go to the other side of the class. But you know how you do that, assigned seats or not? Everyone kind of, you sit in your seat, and that's where you're at, right? But I decided one day, you know what, I'm going to go to the other side. So I went to the other side, and the shock on everyone was like, what, what, what's he doing? And then now this side, this side grew quiet, and this side, we would we'd start talking and laughing and joking, and then obviously philosophy for a Christian, that's a great class to be in, right? So many good discussions. I remember one day having a discussion about uh, how do we know we're real? You know how you do that? Like what's, what's real? How do we know we exist? You know, and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't want it to be funny. I just said, you know, I don't know. Go out on a highway, you know, 60 miles an hour, open the door and jump out. I think, you know, what's real and not? Well, and then everyone just laughed, you know, and I didn't. 
But I wasn't meaning it like to mock the teacher or anything. You know, I'm just, just having fun with the class. And I remember uh, one time we were talking about um, Adam and Eve in the garden. And the teacher said, you know, I just, I just can't accept that I'm responsible for what Adam did. And I felt like God just saying, just say this. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's not so much that it's what Adam did. It's that if it was me or you or anyone else, we would have done the same thing. And the teacher just went, oh, that's a good point. I have no answer for that. And I can remember thinking, man, God, thank you so much. I'm like the guy in the back of the class. And this is what God wants to do in our lives is show his power, his glory. I am with you. I will help you. I will strengthen you. Let's try not to manage our lives, right, so much that we don't step out of our comfort zone and allow God to come through for us. Allow him to show, look, I'm real. I am with you. And I want to do amazing things in your life. Allow me to do that. Step out. Speak up. Open up. Right? Embrace people that maybe you're afraid to embrace. Whatever it is. So we're part of the story. And we aren't meant to just read about how God strengthened and empowered others to serve him. We are meant to experience it ourselves. So what fear might God want you to face? Let a friend know you're a Christian. Be more open and public about your relationship with Christ. Maybe share the gospel with a friend or a family member or even a stranger. Read your Bible in public, maybe, right? Ask someone if you could pray for them. Be open about others with your struggles, your fears, your sin. Tell someone that you love them, that you forgive them. Seek forgiveness from someone you've wronged. Maybe uh, take a speech class, right? Or maybe raise your hand and, I don't know, answer a question in a class. Whatever the step is, God wants to come in and as you're doing it because you want to serve Him and you don't want any fear to keep you from doing what you know He wants you to do. I encourage you to just keep stepping through that and He'll, He'll show up. He'll help you. He'll strengthen you. Amen? All right, let's pray. Well, Lord, thank you for, thank you for your, your promises here, Lord, in that you are with us. You haven't left us as orphans. And Lord Jesus, you even said that in the last moments with your disciples, that it is better that you go away because then the helper, helper will come, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you always and will be in you. And we thank you for that, Lord, that you reside in your children. Lord, you reside in us. And thank you, God, there is no limit to what you can help us overcome and what you can help us to endure. And Lord, I just pray that each one of us will take those steps. I still need to take those steps of overcoming my fears and just trusting you that, God, it's in your hands. You may come through for me, you may not. I mean, maybe I need to pray more and seek you more, but God, I am trusting that whatever you want me to do in life, I can just keep walking that way and you will strengthen, you will empower, you will help me do that. 
And I praise you for it, Lord. Thank you all the more, Lord. I know it's very, very subjective for everyone else, but for me, you've proven yourself to me so many times. There's no way I could deny you, Lord. I pray that's true. If it came down to life or death, if I deny you or not, Lord, I pray that you brought me to this point where I, there's no way I could deny you the reality of God in my life. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.